hoodoo, the voodoo that you do when we do it. When we do it, we take deep dives, and I'm talking about swimming straight through the rivers of pop culture. It is the pop culture forest, and this is the show, Two Bear Media Review, where we take a swing into the the greatest of television, literature, movies, and music. Over there is my Vanilla Bear. Say what up, Vanilla Bear. What is going on? I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me absolutely too. And of course, we have our special guest this week. We may have skipped out on battling the Bat fans, but here we are talking about the breaking bad men. It is the Twitchy Cricket. How's it going, Gavin? You damn kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, you should know. This is Mundo. And this week here on Two Bears Media Review, part of the Pop Culture Forest, we're talking about pilots and quite possibly the greatest pilot to one of the greatest shows of all time. Oh, the guy who landed that plane in the Hudson. It happens. (laughs) Breaking Bad. A show created by Vince Gillian and led by uh, uh, Brian Cranston. And I could not be more excited. Gavin, you and I have been noted Breaking Bad fans for a long time. Simulcast the uh, uh, finale episode together. Um, Uh, I don't know if you watched El Camino, but I certainly did. Of course I did. I'm super happy about that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is of it. And you, I don't know. El Camino? Uh, Gavin, what do you think of Breaking Bad? Oh, oh, now I can speak. You're allowed. (laughs) Well, uh, about El Camino, loved El Camino. It was (laughs) Breaking Bad. I mean, what what can be said about it that hasn't been said everywhere across the internet and back and forth again? It's uh, it's a wonderful example of perfect pacing. Uh, It's masterful storytelling. It's got amazing callbacks and tone that isn't shoved up its own ass half the time. And I think probably my favorite part about Breaking Bad, it ended. And I don't mean that in the, oh, it's so fucking terrible, good, it's tough. No, I mean, in this age of let's keep churning out just diarrhea for people to slurp up because they just love that taste of their favorite brand of diarrhea. I was so happy that this show said, fuck all y'all. Fuck the Twitter, fuck the fans, fuck whatever you think you want to see. This is my story, and now it's ended. I think that was a very, very bold move in this age of diarrhea consumption. Well, so obviously I haven't gotten that far, but we talk about all the time how there are some shows that we watch or movies we watch where there was a very clear beginning and ending decided upon before they went into it. Yeah, I think that that Breaking Bad feels like that. I think Vince Gilligan knew exactly what he wanted to do. Maybe not the complete specifics. Oh, we're going to talk about that. And then this is where it's going to go. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think what you said right there about an ending is the linchpin to all of this. Because we recently, within the past few years had the biggest smash hit television series ever in the history of television attempt to end in a way that clearly 
the creators of it was not anticipating uh, uh, or prepared for. Or cared. Or cared. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're talking about game boning. Great, simple yeah. word. Gavin. <laughs> cared. Yeah. Or cared. Mm-hmm. You know, we're it's, not it's here to rag on Game of Thrones, though we certainly could be. <laughs> but this was a show with a vision. And not a vision as in set in medieval times with magic dragons and, 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 and giants battling on icy walls and kraken-filled rivers vision. This was a vision of a modern Western talking about modern problems. Yeah. And yeah. one that does it exceedingly well. And it does it exceedingly well from the very first episode and i love that about this series now you agree patrick yeah you have stayed off of this breaking bad wagon for quite a while is this your first foray it was 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 the first was this your first watch patrick yeah i've never seen it oh okay all right Uh, okay so you're going into this blind and how far yep. are you? I know we're talking about episode one today, but how I've far only are you? watched three episodes. All right, so you're three in. Okay. Which is why, between that and another thing, the second episode got bumped up. Now, do you know anything that's going to happen? Like, have you had massive spoilers? I haven't looked at anything. I don't know anything. Okay, that's also important to know. It's a good thing I didn't yeah. open up with, boy, I love the last episode where. So there is a part that of what Mundo's going to read where I actually put a note in like i'm actually going to avoid spoilers despite this being a 14 year old show almost no i i, like. I mean i think it's, <laughs> it's almost impossible to avoid avoid spoilers these days even if you're trying your hardest someone inevitably will fuck up yeah, yeah so, so like uh, what when i what i put together i try to as much as i could avoid like there may be references to something that happened but it's not exactly what right happened. like there are names i could say that would mean nothing to you and yeah. if I just mentioned somebody, if I just mentioned Todd, for example, you don't right. know anything what that means. But no, I want to know. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, I think a thing that's brilliant about you starting the show 14 years later, and we could talk about, yeah, how can you avoid spoilers 14 years later? Well, it's quite easy because it isn't so much in the in the frame of reference. Mm-mm. Nowadays, Turkey yeah. culture right now. If you go and look, uh, at the the cult forums, and you actively try to find Breaking Bad things, you'll find everything. But oh, I mean, yeah, yeah anyone can go onto you can go onto YouTube right now and look up top ten Breaking Bad moments. Not even look up YouTube will just algorithm it. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's all the people that watched it. Here's all the secrets. Here's the compilation of sex. No, no, Patrick. What I I have a very special note written for you that I will read on air. Uh, but before we get to that, a little Spark Notes version, if you will. What was your reaction to finally watching the first episode? The first episode, 58 minutes long. Uh, almost a full hour of, of television excellence. What was your experience with that? Uh, honestly, I didn't watch it with anybody. No, I watched it while I was working out which is usually how I get through these long shows. (laughs) Your fucking favorite, dude. You love that shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's 
how I get through not. these series because I don't have other time to do that. Yeah. So I'll watch like one a, one a day in the morning before really? work. Yeah. And uh, so I think one, I was very impressed with what I just experienced in my eye holes. I couldn't <laughs> like, I had to, I just kind of sat there for a bit and just kind of thought through everything that just happened all in this one episode. And I'm like, how did they do it? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to figure it out. I tried to figure out the puzzle and how they made this all fit together into this masterpiece. But the second one was, you know what? I'm not going to hit the second point because we're going to get to it. Yeah. And, and it's a concern, but we'll get to it. And get to it. We yeah. absolutely will. As I said uh, before, we I have a very special note that I would like to read uh, live on air. Um, I thought that it was awesome. Um, I knew that you had never seen this show before, so hearing you speak of it in this way was great. All right, so without further ado. One day, Vince Gilligan woke up deciding to make something worth a 9.1 on IMDb, Pop Culture Forest's most trusted rating system, of course, and that's Universal People. <laughs> IMDb overwrought tomatoes and Metacritic every single day. Holla, holla at IMDb, y'all. Sponsor us. <laughs> Breaking Bad was bored and a pilot was written. The show was casted and wow, did it cement itself into one of the top pilot episodes of all time. The masterpiece achieved 58 minutes forced me to keep watching despite not being typically interesting to me. Drug storylines normally seem stale or overdone to me. It was poetry on screen, and I am going to jump into this topic because there is too much to discuss. I would usually not care about spoilers, but this is too good to ruin someone's experience. Now, this is something that we say all the time here on, on Pop Culture Force, and especially Two Bears Media Review. We have been known to be the spoiler kings. That is fact, yes. <laughs> and sometimes joined by our crown prince of spoilers noah though he is not here today and he's also a massive breaking bad fan and anybody who's seen breaking bad knows that you cannot possibly ruin this experience for someone else this is a massive journey done only in like 52 episodes which is crazy <laughs> yeah again knew what he was doing yep Walter is the highlight, of course. The people around him are so well-formed, though. His wife immediately has shown an extremely intelligent character, and you assume she'll figure out more of than he's just in a life crisis while she's going with him. His son is physically challenged, extremely witty, and perfectly encapsulates what a teenager is. His brother-in-law is probably a modern-day Republican and a DEA agent. Truth there. I, I actually laughed as I wrote that line. Oh, he's definitely, yeah, he definitely <laughs> would be talking about Sleepy Joe for sure. I don't know, honestly. Well, I, 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 this I is based I, on the first episode. Okay, he says a cool. lot of a lot of beaner jokes and stuff. No, of course, yeah. You know, it is the first episode. He, uh, I don't know if I would call him a modern day Republican. 
Because I don't even know if you can. Are, are, are we going here? Is this? Is no, this let's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, we we can go. We can get there. I'm afraid everyone knows. I definitely want to hit each it. of the characters at some point, so we'll get there. <laughs> that we're introduced to, yeah. Clearly, going to be fun to follow that eventual roadblock for Walter. All this makes an underlying plot of being textbook middle class more prevalent. Cancer becomes the final bad break into putting Walter over the edge. My initial comparison was that they created an entirety of American beauty in that pilot. Huge praise there. Random thought, but I need to readjust my top 10 movies, potentially for American beauty. I know Kevin Spacey was in it, but it's an excellent film just at that. Back to the topic at hand, the character's only did the things that made sense for them. At another point that I already knew enough was to be able to make a distinction was when Walter's moments were taking off his good clothes before he starts cooking meth and coming to the aid of his son. His wife begins to sue because of Walter's changing persistence and Jesse makes the decision to fit him into the amateur drug ring. All the way through his willingness to bring potentially unworthy people into his side and Walter's inner circle. They get out of it because Walter's scientific knowledge and likability take over. Then they put it into a situation way over their own heads. His wife's sister and her brother-in-law had important dialogue in the beginning which drove the story forward. And that's something I want to highlight later on when we specifically talk about the episode as well. Yeah, so the brother and the the brother-in-law and the sister were very interesting characters to me because they weren't in it much, but they were in it enough. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. especially re-watching the series, especially uh, her sister, Marie, was in this. Yeah, absolutely. Purple people eater herself. (laughs) Ain't that the truth, (laughs) man? Few excellent actors can lift a half-baked idea and the level of writing the director chooses can either make good actors excellent or excellent actors good, elevate them further or less. Literally no line is waste has been wasted in this pilot. <clears throat> you even know the brother and sister-in-law's characters well. The ability to create the pilot to this level at that fast of a pace creates digestible story building. And as a complete story, it undertones the DEA's brother-in-law, money problems, and marriage issues that are all multiple subplots to what would already be an obvious choice to cooking meth with a former student. Layers upon layers here, people. Another interesting aspect it achieved is actually noticed wardrobe choice because it made under it made me understand characters to a higher degree, even down to his wife being put together, showing she could be sharp, which is opposite of ultra scientific methods. I cannot say that this is most media I I assume, I can I consume. Literally made it all this way. I may be going forward though the most. Outstanding factor for me was the writing and directing. The ability to create tension and multiple moods Walter experienced blew my mind. My standout was the way they wrote and directed the interactions with Jesse. 
So why did all of this land so far well to me? It has been a long time since I saw pilots for Scrubs and Bates Motel, that which I have felt the need to keep watching a show. Both those shows need to focus on characters and dialogue first. Plot simply just need to be put in there. Took reflecting on Breaking Bad on Breaking Bad to realize that pilots just need to lay out plots that affect the characters, not necessarily that need to close the loop just yet. Speaking of loops, I'm afraid I will fall into the cycle of weeds and just taking up old plot ideas, only to recycle them over and over again. I have reason to believe against it because it's so highly regarded for almost 15 years. And P.S. Kick cancer's ass, Walter White. Well, there's a website you might be able to go to that you can help him out, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> go fund me. Gavin, what do you think of that? Because you haven't heard it yet. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like you put a lot of thought into it. It sounds like the episode impacted you um and yeah you're you're looking towards all the typical and atypical horizons as it were you know for what the show could be what it's going to focus on um and and yeah i mean there's only so much you can do working with one episode so yeah no i'm like i mean i i don't know if i can exactly have like an opinion like for or against it like oh man you were so fucking wrong stupid everything you said was like it's it was it was your critique of of the first episode it was how it affected you so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's all um uh not verified i can't think of the word <laughs> something it's all something <laughs> when it comes down to it i there um the, the one part you mentioned about, uh, well, at the end there, you know, kick cancer's ass and how cancer is a, a driving factor in this. Um, I, I, I can't say this has been confirmed or that this is a theory because everything really is speculation and, and how people interpret it. But uh, I'm interested, I guess I'll say, to see how you see the driving force of cancer as the show goes on because well i, mean, I think it, it was more like for me that was to like land home the economic factor of him as a character no no exactly though like it, it, it seems obvious yeah. and and that 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 seems like the you know the final piece in the equation it's right in the title like walter gets cancer he's in a desperate situation in this country with healthcare the way it is and then he breaks bad as it were and I don't know if I want to reveal my own thoughts on that particular driving force, because I, I feel a lot of people, and I'm not saying you are, because again, this is only the first episode you've seen. I feel a lot of people misinterpret what the cancer represents in this show. They think that it truly is like, like the tipping point where everything goes over. When I think the show is... Uh, and again, this is all my speculation. I feel the, the show's theme is not so much that there is a tipping point in one person's life or another, but that this type of character has always existed deep down and that it wasn't this, this factor that did it as obvious and as even logical as it would sound. It's, uh, it was something dormant that has always existed. And as the show goes on, you learn of other factors, things that aren't quite as obvious. And then you go back and say, you think to yourself, 
were these more influential in Walter's choice than the cancer itself? And, and you have to wrestle with yeah. that. That is exactly well, I, what I was thinking whenever I was watching uh, this pilot episode again. Um, there are so many things in here that hearken to information and revelations that appear later in this series. And I mean, much later in this series yeah. that at first glance in this first episode, as, as with you, Pat, I mean, I watched it. It was like, watch it. It was like going from watching it in black and white and to watching it in color. I was noticing so many things, mm. you know, and but as so, a first time viewer, exactly every, everything makes sense what you yeah. said it all, and, it all lines up with i think how vince wanted the people to feel and mm-hmm. yeah uh, and, and i think once you get through this series i think the first thing you should do is re-watch this pilot episode because i think your entire opinion of it will change i'm sure yeah i i, I definitely don't doubt that because you i can feel that just from the next two that i watched right Right. You can already tell that that's not what I kind of figured that I I kind of I kind of was along the lines I couldn't make that jump yet because I haven't I hadn't seen enough to know, but like the fact like for me the fact that he already knew how to cook meth that way, I was like okay mm-hmm. he clearly like he's had this thought before it wasn't like he just decided to figure out how to make meth all of a sudden. And uh, you know. just to clarify, people, uh, the way that they cook meth in this show, you cannot actually make meth that way. <laughs> Believe me, I would know. Just uh, <laughs> ask my probation officer. <laughs> no, but Vince Gilligan himself has come out and said that uh, they manufactured the way that they manufactured meth for the show, so nobody could. Just like in a fight club, how Smart you can't movie. actually make bobs like that. Right. <laughs> you can't erase credit card debt and student loans by blowing nope. up a couple of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> so Walter White himself is turning 50. And I always forget how the the time frame that this show takes place in and i love it that they use they'll continually use his birthday yeah as as the stepping point i think that's brilliant um he's turning 50 he's eating some veggie bacon which he is clearly not happy about and nor should anyone be i i was vegetarian for two years people there is no veggie bacon that tastes like real bacon i promise you guys (laughs) I fucking guarantee it. Okay. Uh, we meet his wife and his son briefly. Walter Jr. Has cerebral palsy. The actor who portrayed Walter uh, uh, Jr. is uh, R.J. Mitney. Uh, he is a real actor, obviously, with real cerebral palsy. He actually has the condition. Yeah, and he actually stopped taking his medication uh, to make it seem worse than it was for his character. That I didn't know. What the fuck? (laughs) There's method acting, and then there's masochism. (laughs) Uh, Walter also works at a car wash as well as being a chemistry teacher for high school. Um, Always funny watching walter get into altercations with his students i feel it's it's really impressive how 
I, I, I could open up a whole deluge of, of points here, but I'm, I'm not trying to. It's obvious. That's what we're here to do. It, it's yeah, do it, man. Obvious, and yet uh, it's it's not over. It's it's not grossly obvious. The tropes of of modern day American living that is in this show. For example, Walter working two jobs. Yeah. He's a high school teacher, and he needs to work two jobs to support. Uh, just not even a big family. You know, they've got they've got one son, and they live in just a normal house, and yet Walter's working two jobs because America doesn't give a shit about education or paying teachers. Well, and yet, I think the, genius the show doesn't that say that. Who, the what? genius behind that for me was before you even know he works that second job, they show that he was part of a Nobel Prize winning team. Good catch. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know he's funny. way better than what he's doing right now already. And at no point do the characters say things like, you know, oh, the American healthcare system is so unfair and, and teachers deserve raises. Like, it's not, it's yeah. not what some utterly garbage tire fire shows will do, like <clears throat> anything on the CW, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, or like, uh, you know, it could have been- It's so organic. Easy. It's organically woven into the point where you as the viewer almost interpret all the obvious stuff just from some basic imagery because you understand it you well so we talked about it before it lets you be smart it lets you feel like a smart viewer Mm, that's that's a good way of putting it It, and and that's what good shows do you put the pieces together it gives you the pieces for this puzzle and all Mm -hmm. you need to do is shift them around until until they make sense you could have been so that's why so that's why i noticed sorry that's why i noticed the outfits yeah Mm. I don't usually in a show like this like it's not a sci-fi type show where the outfits are supposed to be like what the hell are they wearing or that really fits you know what I mean like sci-fi will really like this show I think they nailed that like showing him Mm. having to wear his teacher outfit to the car wash and then have to clean cars in his teacher outfit but he won't cook meth in his teacher outfit (laughs) yeah but he won't yeah but he won't cook good clothes and you're like what (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like texture. it could have this show at his party at his birthday party it could have had two characters in the background that the camera barely catches but you could hear one of them say i heard he he won a nobel prize back in the day mm-hmm. you know or at his job whenever his his car wash boss is yelling at him he could have said something like, damn it, Walter, I don't care if you helped win a Nobel Prize. Yeah. It doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I it think it gives uh, you a Because at this time, it doesn't matter for that character. Two second glimpse of it at the beginning of the character. And immediately you recognize that he is more than what he is in his life. What that yeah. allows you to do as the viewer is also, it allows you to look at it for multiple angles, even if it's a something simple or something complex, when you put the pieces together, when you see something and you fill in the blanks, you get to think about it in a different, a bunch of different ways, as opposed to a character saying a line, and then it's like, oh, okay, this character said a thing, and now that's a thing. My one friend put, brings this point up often that it's always better to show us something than to tell us, and. I, I, I agree with that. 90, like 5% of the time, things are much more uh, compelling when they are shown as opposed to being told. And I, I feel in telling is just lazy. It is, it is the lazy writer's tool. 
It's like, I want to set up exposition. I want to set up character motivation. I want to set up all these big things and I'll do it by writing three lines where one person on the street says this, this, and that to another person. And it's like, cool, you told me these things, but you didn't let me think about it at all. You didn't let me form an opinion on it. So now I, I'm just not invested. Yeah, you there's- yeah. Great, show me, show me that Nobel prize on the mantle. Let me think, why does a teacher have a Nobel prize and yet he's working at a car wash? Like, what does that mean yeah. going forward? Let, let me let me think about it. There's two very important words, I think, in, in watching in watching a show or creating a show, creating a movie or any form of storytelling medium. And those two very important words are exposition sucks. <laughs> right? We do not want to yeah. be told what happened in the past. Yeah, unless we're there for it. Unless yeah. if we're unless if we're watching it happen, unfold in front of us. Yeah, but to be like, ah, so, oh, this is worse than that time this happened. At Walter's 50th birthday party, uh, his brother-in-law, uh, uh, Hank Schrader. Hank Schrader. Schrader, I hardly know her. A member of the Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, of Albuquerque, New Mexico, turns on the TV, kind of stealing the spot from the birthday boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of charisma on that one. Lots of charisma on that one. To show a drug bust that he helped uh, um, come to, uh, just a, I would assume, just like the day before. And, and even that, I'm, yeah. I'll be short here, even that all, all of this little sets up other things. It's, it's the things that they don't show or tell us or the things that don't happen that gives us an idea of what's going on. Like, again, this is his birthday party. And, and Hank, not really malicious, not, not over the top, but he does take the spotlight and he starts showing the drug bust. And Walter is okay with this, or at least he, he deals with it to the point that he lets Hank Take the spotlight. He lets everybody watch this. You get the sense Walter, that this happens all the time in that household. Not just yeah. with Hank, but with most it's things. We, we get the idea that that Walter is passive, that he he allows himself to be pushed to the back of things, uh, and let other people take the spotlight, take the helm, take whatever, and and, and that that is just a, a care an early character trait that we see. And he's questioning hank about the amount of money brought in and hank says it's seven hundred thousand dollars and you can pretty much feel walter's jaw drop to the floor yeah that probably mm -hmm. represents uh his entire lifetime of teaching <laughs> oh and <easily. laughs> so decade of salaries it, it is the next day at his second job at the car wash where he finally falls down and collapses well, well, pervin on a girl at <laughs> the car wash. <laughs> I thought she was going to be way more important than that. And then I was like, oh, he was just pervin. Yeah, he was being a perv. I will, ever since the first time I watched the pilot episode, I thought it was hilarious how right after this, the doctor's telling him about his cancer. And he says, oh, you got mustard on your shirt. That's his first yeah. <laughs> retort to being told he has cancer. You got mustard on your shirt. Busts me up every time. <laughs> but I do love... Uh, you know what, though? Even the way they filmed that part was just great. Because they yeah. kept panning from his face to just the mustard, not the actual doctor. <laughs> 
and the thing that I, I loved, especially oh, watching good. it this time, is he says, you have mustard on your shirt. And then the doctor says, do you hear what I just told you? And Walter repeats it. You know, terminal lung cancer, non-operable, I'll be dead in a few years. And that is a trait that I think is so awesome that Walter is double focused. Walter can handle multiple problems and think about multiple things at once. And That's then very, I've never the quickest about solution to, to dealing with them both is what this showed me. That's a good point because everything that happens after that pushes that. It's per- multiple problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pushes that pretty hard. So he quits his job at the car wash, refusing to take orders from the caterpillars that are Bogdan's eyebrows. <laughs> and uh, calls up Hank, asking him to go for a ride along on a meth lab bust. And hasn't shared his diagnosis with anyone at this point. Very important. Thank you, Gavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this is all complete secret. Uh, uh, his motives, his reasoning. Um, and it gets called out a little bit later by Marie, Sky- his wife, Skylar's uh, sister. Mm-hmm. But on this uh, uh, drug bust uh, with Hank and his uh, partner, uh, uh, Steve. Steve's his name. Gomi? Was it Gomi? Yeah, Gomez. Steve Gomi. Uh, They arrest one dude who's in the action of creating meth, but Walter, who's left in the car, sees one of his former students, Jesse Pinkman, fall out of a second-story window with a woman who has two huge fake fucking titties flopping all over the place and tossing his pants down. to the road as as that dude escapes as as jesse climbs into a truck all right i'm sorry what was it a mustang it climbs think, into a car. yeah it's the shitty beater car with the license plate captain cook which is what, back yeah which is what the uh the da agents hank and goby were told to look out for they're looking for the captain the captain cook so let's put it on a license just such a great opening character trait for Jesse too. Yes. Jesse mm-hmm. who, who yes. is intentionally uh, <laughs> undervalued, underestimated, but at the same time, exactly like what you see. Like yeah. he, he, he is a hard on his sleeve type character and we could talk for hours about that depiction and what's to come. But as far as this episode goes right here, like we, we see what we, we get what we see a fucking falling out a two-story window, pants around his ankles, asshole, whose who's license plate says Captain Cook. Basically, I sell and make meth with a neon sign. And I'll tell you what, living and in a, a town that has had a notable meth problem <laughs> for a while, these people are proud of it. These what was that? People, as somebody who's been living in a town with a pretty notable meth problem for the past few years... These meth heads are proud of it. They are happy like Jesse is with the product they put out. They brag about it to their friends. Well, you want you want to get the chili for a second here. I mean, when you are in a shit situation, if you are literally living in a dumpster 
You are not going to admit to yourself that you are living in literal trash. You are going to create false comfort as a means to cope. You're going to say, well, my dumpster is the best dumpster. This trash is the least smelly trash. And so, yeah, you're gonna be proud of the meth that you put out. You're gonna be Absolutely. proud that you have five teeth and your neighbor has three. And I don't mean this to be insulting or, you know, derogatory. It's just, it, it is, it is. I do. <laughs> I want you to be insulted and derogated. Well, all right then. I mean, but, well, sure. You, okay, we'll talk about COVID right now. I truly believe there are two types of people when it comes to the outbreak and the pandemic that we're facing. Yeah. There are those that understand the untenable, uncontrollable situation that they're in regarding their inability to control life and death and a, a virus that we cannot see that is killing people. And we'll they call that person that. Walter White. They accept that and they go through steps to avoid, mitigate, uh, et cetera. And then there's the other type of person who is just so terrified, so scared, they can't accept that they have no control. And so they create false comfort, false control. They say, I'm not gonna get it. The survival rate is so high. I can take other medicine. They laugh it off. I'm not gonna wear a mask because I'm strong. I'm free. I do my own research. It's all just false bravado because truthfully, they're fucking terrified of the fact and they can't accept the fact that they cannot control their surrounding environment. Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, actually, yeah, given, given his bravado and everything, yeah, like the way he, he faces situations thinking, he knows, that, and this will all become relevant, Patrick, as we get more into the, like, the, the deep, oh, yeah. evil, uh, terrible crime side of, of the drug trade, what it truly represents, you know, right now, Jesse is, is he's, he's a straight thug, he is a straight up G, he, he lives his own life, he's proud and strong, and that's going to be enough. That'll be enough for him to to navigate this business and this this side of the world. So he was Not. Uh, he was the other character that I, I agree with. One, your first point of like they your initial showing of him is exactly what you get once you finally get to hear dialogue with him. Yeah, you know it it makes sense. And that's where happening. we go. That's where we go next is Walter's straight up confrontation of of Jesse. Yeah. And I always forget how subdued this conversation is. I know I really expected some more action in it, and there just wasn't. And that's what the brilliance of Breaking <laughs> Bad is, Vince Gilligan, yeah. is he's able to create these moments where the dialogue is the action. Now that he's shown us the importance of these characters meeting us, meeting up, and, and being being together, being forced to become companions and compatriots and business partners, mm -hmm. he then allows the characters themselves to tell us why this is tenable to their specific situation. It, it, he lets them work it out. And we kind of create the tension ourselves in our expectations of yeah. what they're gonna say to each other, how they're gonna feel and react. We, we create that tension and then it boils itself slowly because we watch what is actually unfolding what they actually say to each other and the reactions that we might not understand or agree with. And so they team up and they buy a, a RV and they make meth for the very first time together. This, I think this part was, I think the more, the more important Jesse moment for me in it uh, because he actually he... questions Walt. 
you guys think he snuck a, at least a little chili pee in there? No. Um, is, isn't that what he's on about? Isn't that about his, like spe- secret ingredients or some shit? Yeah, yeah. that's what all he, his signature is putting a piece of chili like, powder. That would burn so bad. Uh, Malt's reaction to that when they when he brings it up was so funny. <laughs> We're like, that's fucking done. Here's some important factors here as far because that we didn't entirely mention. And I, I suppose if you're listening to this, you either like Breaking Bad or know about it. If you don't, hi, uh, it's very much worth it. Go check it out. The the objective tethers in this situation, the reason that it works, or the reason that we as the viewer believe that it works, we're shown the you know the Nobel Prize team that Walt was on. So we're it's inferred that he's very smart. What's more is that he's not just a high school teacher. He's not an English teacher, a history teacher. He is a high school chemistry teacher. So when you put those two together, this is a very smart man who knows about chemicals. And as you mentioned, Pat, like he, he at one point thought or considered how to make meth. And I sort of agree with that. I don't know if he ever sat down and said to himself, I think I know how to make meth, but no. he, he sees it like normal people wouldn't. He sees it as a chemical compound. It's just, it's atoms and corks and all the smart shit that chemistry yeah, like, teachers For know. me, that, that means like he actually thought of that as a fun thing to sit around and play around with in his brain. Yeah, well, well how would I do it? In the same way that a <laughs> psychologist might examine serial killers and try and understand motives. Yeah. It's, it's in of itself, it's not malevolent and it's not, uh, you know, for for the individual, but it, it's well, just I think that's, that that's perfectly encapsulated. In fact, whenever he's sitting in the DEA truck with Gomi and Hank, and Hank starts trying to explain how mixing up the chemicals wrong will cause a toxic gas to appear, and without even blinking, Walter's able to identify that gas as as phosphate dihydro or whatever yeah no absolutely and so that's why it's it's these little tiny things that seem mundane he's a chemistry teacher but it makes it believable it creates a very solid mesh underneath this plot mm-hmm. and so yeah when when he teams up with jesse as we've said jesse is a a thug who learned how to cook meth probably on youtube and walt comes in you know, with this desperation that he wants to try this for money for the sake of his treatment and his family, but also sort of now a a new personal milestone for him, something that he can do and something that he knows with his knowledge and experience, he could probably perfect better than any meth cook before. He believes, because I know the science truly, I I can do this and I can make something truly special. And you get that feeling even further whenever Jesse sees it. And he's before in the episode, he says, this is an art form. This isn't chemistry. This is art making meth. And the very first thing that he says to Walt after their very first cook, you're an artist. (laughs) We're already shown that. And uh, two to three inches or something. Yeah. One of my favorite elements of the show is the constant use of Walt in the class. It's not later on. It's, it's pretty early, uh, season one and two. There's going to be a lot of scenes where Walt is in the classroom dealing with a student or directly giving a chemistry lesson. And it is just so important. It is so parallel 
to the events and the actions that he takes throughout the next few episodes. And I, I just, some of those scenes are my favorite. Yeah, so, so interesting. But after their first cook, Jesse knows that he needs to find a pusher for this product. So he goes to this homeboy named Crazy we, Eight. And that, I keep interrupting. That's the one thing Walt knows nothing about. They do yeah. both bring something to the table here. Walt, Walt shows up and Jesse's like- The only reason why he goes to Jesse. Yeah, he's right. like, this guy knows nothing about cooking meth. And Walt's like, it's, it's chemistry, it's, it's, it's brains. And look, I, I know what I'm doing here. And then Walt kind of sees Jesse just as an opening. Just this guy has a connection and he, he knows the street. I don't know anything about the street. I'm a very white 50-year-old chemistry teacher. But Jesse actually does have some connections. He knows where and how to push. Well, and that's what's so that. funny to me is that Walter thinks that, but in reality, no. Jesse is, is just as lost as he is. Yeah. He goes to the guy bit. that yeah. he goes he to one person he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, which also, it, it sort of reflexively goes back to show Walter's ignorance of the whole situation. Walter thinks, this guy's a thug and a criminal. He knows how to do thug criminal things. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> and it's great whenever Jesse shows up and the dude is like training his dog to attack people. And he says, oh, I would teach my dog to go straight for the nads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the nads, bitch. But one thing leads to another. Crazy Eight and his cousin Emilio uh, take Jesse hostage and take him back to the the random ass part of the desert where Walt's about to cook up and threatens both of their lives in order to teach them how to cook meth with as purity as Walter can. Which that that goes back to. Uh, like the fear thing, Jesse feeling he's in control. He just thinks, I'll go to the meth people and tell them, yo, we got this dope-ass new product. You're going to want to buy it. And he doesn't for one second believe that these heartless, cutthroat businessmen aren't going to immediately take him out into the desert and say, show us how to make it, and then we're going to kill you both. That's never even, oh. it doesn't occur to him at any point but in time. He doesn't play his part. I get, that's also where I get Walt's like just likability factor that's where it really shines through because he knows something bad is about to go on and he's like listen i'll show you how i make it once again he can, he has double vision yep and you already know he's got a plan like you know his character so well that you know there's already a plan up there you're just not going to be told it yet and he plays the uh, Brian Cranston, of course. I mean, deserve, deserving of all the awards he was nominated for and received. Mm -hmm. He plays it so well because it, it's legitimate fear. As you said, he has a plan and he's going to enact this plan and he's going to do whatever he can to essentially survive. But he doesn't know if it's going to work. He doesn't, he, he, he is terrified. He is out of his element completely. Yeah, I think it's amazing that Brian Cranston was sent a personal letter from Anthony Hopkins uh, once Breaking Bad had wrapped up. Oh, right. With Anthony Hopkins telling him that it was the finest acting he'd ever seen in his life in any medium. You can just die Crazy. at that point. You can just I die. Know, yeah. That's worth more any than any, after Emmys, that. <laughs> any amount of Emmys, I feel. And like, I would have Emmys on the shelf, and then at the top framed would be the letter from Anthony Hopkins. And every now and then, I would probably just knock an Emmy off the shelf to dust the letter. <laughs> <laughs> 
but a fire a, a fire breaks out and at the same time Walt makes his his phosphorus gas that poisons crazy eight and Emilio inside the RV running out and holding the door shut so they go unconscious uh, again that, that that's important that that's a callback to the conversation he had with Hank who's talking about how the reason not everyone makes meth is I think the common the commoner, me, a layman, when it comes to meth production, knows that, you know, meth can blow up. That's that's the stereotype. If you have a meth lab and you do it wrong, it can blow up. Well, there's a lot of other horrible things, and that's what they discuss. If you mix the wrong chemicals the wrong way, you can create a lethal gas that can kill you. Now, Walt, again, as we know, he knows all this. He knows all the chemistry, and he knows the goods, the bads, the do's, and the don'ts. And so in that desperation of being, being trapped in an RV in the middle of the desert at gunpoint, he, his plan, as Patrick said, he starts to show them how to cook meth. And I just did big finger quotes there, listeners. And then he, at the last second, smashes the wrong chemical into the wrong chemical, creating this toxic gas that immediately just starts to fuck up everyone. Except for him, of course, because he held his breath and immediately jumps out of the RV and slams the door shut. Now... Uh, uh, this is hugely important as it is the first time that, that we are seeing Walt's personal aspirations fuck up many things for many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I just, I'll tell you, you know, what, by the I, way, we skipped over the fact that he spent his whole life savings on that RV. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I feel like that's important. I see, like that makes it like okay. I there mean, are two things. There are two things about this opening episode that I watched this time, and I'm like, these two things don't quite add up. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one is his wife has a stranglehold on their finances. There's no way. She would be blind to him taking out all of their money. So I think uh, you're right. This is his saved money, not their joint yeah. saved money. That's the only right. way that makes sense to me. Number two. Which goes back to his double, you know, that, that goes back to two of his character traits. Letting other people control things for the sake of his own peace of mind. Sure. And also being able to see two, two problems, as you said. He's like, okay, she controls yeah. this, but I'm also going to save some money myself over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the second one is if a a bunch of fire engines rolled by and saw a dude in his underwear next to a fucking giant RV that has been driven off a ditch, they are calling somebody. I don't know. They man. are calling somebody about that problem. I think you've been to New Mexico away with it. <laughs> They're probably just like, could oh, be good, a, a meth crash. She's going to die in the desert. One, one less person to care about. <laughs> Not only that, but he only, only starts hiding the gun in his hand once they, like, directly start passing. Yeah. By the way, Gavin, before we continue on the show, you're Arizona, Arizona Coyotes, man. Do they yeah, have any were. players? <laughs> Wait, what was that? Do they have any players left at all? To make a team? Oh, man. You know, honestly, my fiance would know more about that than I would. We saw the Coyotes, you know, once or twice. We're in Colorado now. Fuck that whole miserable desert. 
Ain't that the truth? And in that miserable well, we'll get Chelsea desert, on eventually. I'll and in that you. miserable desert, those fire engines pass. Uh, but right before they do, and I think this is crucial to the development of Walter White, he puts the gun to his chin and he pulls the trigger. Yep. God, I actually forgot that moment. He did. It's crucial to Walter White. He had the safety on, no bullet came out, no injury, no death. But now he knows what he himself is capable of. Yep. And with Jesse coming out of the truck, out of the <laughs> RV, I should say, they decided they should clean all this shit up as Walter White goes home and fucks his wife. What a good ending to the show. He got his high from everything that just happened. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that says so many things too, obvious and otherwise. It, it shows you how we are capable of creating our own highs better than any drug. As you said, it shows what he's capable of. And in that moment, in that literal metaphorical trigger pull, he starts to take back pieces of himself. He goes home and he says, I'm going to fuck my wife. I'm going to aggressively fuck my wife and she ain't going to say nothing about it. And now, another, that's right or wrong. <laughs> it's, so, it's, and it's I want to point taking the power. It's him feeling alive. It is he, 100% with terminal yeah. cancer and he feels more alive than he ever has in his entire life. <laughs> to be clarified, it is not rape. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Game of Thrones depiction of Jamie and Cersei on their son's dead body. She was just a little surprised. <laughs> yeah, it was like a surprise party. She didn't ask for it, but she loved it. <laughs> and I. <laughs> but that's so, important. But that's important because I, I did skip over that earlier in the episode. Um, her sister was asking about well, sex drive. Yeah. To which she sussed out through subtext. This show is. The best show I've ever experienced with subtext. Yeah. You know, that Walt is being a little uh, in viral right, in viral right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Though you say, though, talking about fucking his wife, that reminds me of uh, my favorite post-fight interview ever in UFC uh, was when Brock Lesnar won the World Heavyweight Championship. And he's on mic and Joe Rogan asks him what he's going to do. And he says... I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink Coors Light because Bud Light won't give me no goddamn money. I'm going to go home. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to sit in front of my fireplace. Hell, I might even get on top of my wife tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Beer, friends, and sex? Now, that's a man's man right there. (laughs) That's a bad So this is a... This is also one of the rare cases uh, last year when Queen's Gambit was the last time I've really seen it where sex is used as a driver to the story. Yeah. Not just used for the sake of having sex in your show. I'm so, I'm so over people just fucking in TV shows. Yeah, it needs I'm to have over. a purpose. I don't give, I don't care. I, and this I'm one happy. has a purpose. 
I'm, I'm half and half, and here's why. I, I agree that it's always better and more important for there to be purpose to things. If you have anything on screen, whether it's someone killing someone or someone fucking someone, there needs to be purpose to it. The reason I'm a little bit okay with more sex in TV is because our country is that of is a country of closeted masturbators where we, we, we love sex. And that's obvious through the internet, through prostitution, through everything. We love sex. And yet, because of our ancient, archaic upbringing, we repress sex, we repress any discussion about it. We, sex is, is feared in this country more than anything else. I would say, I would argue even drug use, which is hilarious, given how fucked we are when it comes to drug use. <laughs> and because of that, I'm, I'm all right with the door opening a bit and letting just in general, our media and society get more comfortable with the idea of regular sex. But I agree, it can be egregious and it can be just, hey, look, people are fucking. It just seems, to, yeah, it it just can't seems be to be like so many TV shows. <laughs> People end up fucking because they're left in a room together. Right, and it, that's what I don't shows like. Shows are, are repression. So many people, yeah. and I'm not saying it's bad to like things like that. I personally have not seen a lot of Outlander. I know that there's tons of sex in it, but it's I haven't basically seen- basically a, a, a porno. It's like a and, light But porno. I can understand why people like that because for the most <laughs> part, it's it's like, it's it's fake. It's fake porn. It's like, this isn't porn, but it's still all sex and we love it because we're human beings and we, we love to see this lustful connection. And so I get why people like it. I just, I, I'm hoping that, you know, as a society, we develop more into being, having it be a norm and accepting it to the point where we don't need gratuitous sex. It can be used just to actually drive a plot or drive characters. Right. Now, I'm so happy that we're talking about this and we went through the plot. I think we should talk a little bit about the actors now. Oh, yeah. So I think first and foremost, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. The god of performance himself, Brian Cranston. Saul Goodman. <laughs> oh, my God. Saul fucking Goodman. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk is coming up, and uh, he's going to be- I got to tell you guys, watching that first episode last night, I am so re-watching this series. It got me so pumped for Breaking Bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I, I thought about Saul Goodman. I thought about Gus. I thought about the tarantula. I thought about fucking everything. And I'm- <laughs> <laughs> So you're- you don't like it, is what you're saying? <laughs> so Brian Cranston uh, worked oh, with uh, uh, Vince Gilligan on an episode of The X-Files. And initially, the executive producers of Breaking Bad were against Cranston's uh, casting <laughs> in the role because they were afraid of his typecast as a comedic father in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, fucking producers. I didn't see, I didn't see that at all. No. Which is what was- so amazing about it yeah that's the point that's that and this was yeah. his chance to show everyone it's like i'm not just a typecast like yeah. yeah and they were actually convinced only after uh gilligan showed them the episode of x files that he directed him in mm, that's excellent so you know that they're that they were steadfast into their into their opinions if all it took was watching one thing that wasn't Malcolm in the middle change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. He did something serious? <laughs> He's <Yes>. an actor? <laughs> He's an actor with rage? <laughs> but I've I've 
watched all of Malcolm in the Middle, and he never showed any of that. <laughs> no, after getting cast, Brian Cranston uh, would become very good friends with a chemistry teacher uh, locally to his kids' schools uh, that helped him prepare for the role and to understand the chemistry a little bit better. And he also gained weight for this role at the beginning of the series so he could show the decline in his character's health throughout the series. That's something. You know, brilliant. Yeah. And we've already, and, and we, and just so we know, the two other actors put in for the role were John Cusack and, fuck yeah, Matthew goddamn Broderick. Matthew Broderick. I think they both could have been good, but I'm glad it went the way it did. Yeah, are you kidding me? Lion King, you want Simba from the Lion King to be Walter White? <laughs> I mean, well, John Cusack could have been good. To cook cook <laughs> <laughs> I do think Matthew Broderick could pull something like that off. He's versatile, but no, it was a good choice. <laughs> I don't think no, it would. He, I don't think it would have been bad. He is no. versatile, and I. I oh I yeah. Mean, just what we just spoke about, you know, Malcolm in the Middle versus mm-hmm. Walter White. Like people, they have range. You don't know what they're capable yeah. of until you allow them to expand. But as has also been said, I'm very glad with the way it turned out because Brian Cranston was just a force of nature. That's a perfect way of putting it, man. A force of nature. And then we have the other elephant in the room my favorite character i'm not talking about the texas abortion ban here (laughs) (laughs) that's the elephant in the womb and that is and that is aaron paul's depiction of jesse pinkman yeah he's so great (laughs) was this his did he consider this his not breakout role absolutely it has to be absolutely it is his breakout performance um, he was an unknown himself who auditioned for the role. Uh, he himself says that his audition tape was bad. Yeah, I do remember that. And that he does not believe that he earned the role from his audition tape, but it was Gilligan who forced Aaron Paul uh, to be accepted by the executive producers himself at one point. Even saying he will not make the show if Aaron Paul isn't Jesse Pinkman. And that you could look at that as like stubbornness, but I, I just look at that as commitment to, to your vision. Because like yeah, again, yeah. This, this was the writer, this was his idea. And and I like that. I like that extremism that look, this is what I want because I know this will achieve what I want to achieve, and you're gonna do it. And I'm sure he got pushback, but he stuck to it and he was like, No, 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 this is gonna be how it is. Yeah. As opposed yep. to the fucking CW, eat my ass. Well, so there was, um, I mentioned the scrubs at the end of my writing that I did. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. The- that was the big thing with uh, JD's <sighs> character. They wanted him, he wanted him specifically. And he had him do auditions like three or four times because the executives would not let him pick him. Wow. So he like forced their hand into picking him. So it's Wait very cool. Did, didn't, wasn't he responsible for most of the episodes though? I thought he was acting in his own work. No, no, not Scrubs. He did the ninth season, the one that we don't talk about. Ah, uh, okay. He did yeah, the ninth season. We don't, he did a couple directing episodes Zach throughout Braff the show. but Zach, Zach Braff? Braff, yeah. And he directed a few. Okay. Yeah. But, he did okay. the last season, which like I said, eh. 
but okay so someone else they they really wanted him yeah. as the character of jd yeah so like i, mean, I yeah. love when i hear stories like that because that means that person knew what they were going for and most of the time it it i don't think i've ever heard of an example where it's like I, I i forced this character to be in the show because i knew they were what i wanted and then the show was terrible and everybody hated it yeah. like i feel usually the the visionary knows what their vision entails yeah yep. and you have to if you are if you pay attention and and you build such a world like vince gilligan does yeah yeah you know and and let's and i think that it's it's worth mentioning that jesse peakman was initially slated to die by the end of the first season really yes Uh, you you would know all the deep diving lore more than anyone i would say you you got the uh you got the special (laughs) meth drum dvd box set you i i imagine you know all there is to know about this show and its inner workings so he was do because you know what man as somebody who you know through his younger years fancied himself an amateur storyteller i am always i've always been just as interested as the off-screen reasonings as the on-screen stories Mm. You know, even, this this even bleeds into my love of pro wrestling. I love the backstage politics of pro wrestling as much as I love people falling off ladders. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and so there are a few characters here that were slated to die um, in this first season. Straight off the bat, but because of Aaron Poe's chemistry, pun intended, with uh-huh. Brian Cranston, Vince Gilligan realized that he had a duo here that he could not break up. That's another good part about. I, I get there could be good about anything, but I feel if you're a good visionary, understanding and accepting that your vision can change, and not because of outward influence, what the fans want or what the fucking money people are telling you to do understanding yourself and knowing that your vision can evolve as you said like looking at the two characters and their chemistry and being like this is better than what i had intended yeah i feel that's that's a very uh admirable quality i think my for myself jesse stood out because he i think was the prime candidate for the show the first show episode's ability to make you understand a character so much that you already know if something's in character or out of character for them yeah as you said man his introduction when he's falling off of that roof and he's like paranoidly looking back and forth between everything and like sees uh, uh walter and then runs to his car which has the license plate the captain <laughs> Everything of this character is immediately apparent straight from the get-go. And we could not have had that without such visual acting like Aaron Paul could give. Mm-hmm. He's a visual actor. He's somebody, And based on what you said, it sounds like he didn't even know he could do that. I, I don't think he does. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that he real. I honestly don't think he... I mean, he's fantastic in these early seasons, but I think he only really starts coming into his own in like season three. And from then on, I mean, he is a, he's just as much of a force as Walt. A 
that goes to show like those people that are getting those breakout roles they never had those before yeah the confidence isn't there like a brian cranston who already has that built up 20 years experience of yeah this experience you know like if if for example, someone was like, oh, I think Aaron Paul could play a serious character, but they show him one little short skit. They're not going to pick them. Yeah. But they show you one episode of X-Files and they're like, oh, okay, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's not happening for him. That's why I have to say, I, I really like actors that I see in varieties of things, never really main characters, but like important to specific episodes across yeah. different shows. Guy actors um, kind of. Crim- Criminal Minds really did that for me. There are so oh many. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, there are so many big name, now big name actors who at the time might not have been, you know, fully actualized, but in Dude, so many roles. The first season from like 18 years ago or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just, and I, I love seeing them. I love recognizing them being like, oh my God, you know, they're so-and-so. And whether they're playing a cop or whether they're playing the killer or a victim, it's just, it's incredible to see the range and, and they're breaking out. What, who who recently, um, Lance Redding. Lance Redding continues to impress me because he he was known for years as the, the staunch Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire and a fantastic performance by him throughout that whole series. And now he's doing voice work for some of the raunchiest, most just batshit cartoons out there. And I respect him so fucking much for it. I feel the exact same way about Keith David. Yeah, like it's it's I feel the exact same way. Like Keith David, all around man's man's tough guy from multiple action and horror movies in the 80s is now just like the silliest dude on the planet. <laughs> I love that. I feel you can always uh enjoy, you can always hear and feel the enjoyment they're having in just doing different things. Yeah, absolutely, yep. absolutely, and I think it's important to say that this show as it goes on breaking bad that is has won so many freaking awards uh across its multi-year run uh it broke the record uh Aaron Paul broke the record for how many times uh, somebody won best actor in a drama series, best supporting actor in a drama series. That's insane. Like he could have never seen that coming. A a record that would be held until uh, Peter Dinklage surpassed it for Game of Thrones. Ah, okay. I'll give it to him. Even I though the last it. one was a pity win. Yeah. <laughs> We're not, we're not here to talk about all the objective reasons. No, that somehow we circled back to Game of Thrones, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> we're not here to discuss the, the diarrhea-laden <laughs> chasm that was the abysmal potential hucked into nothingness that was Game of Thrones. We're not here to talk about that today. And of course, we're not here to drill a fucking drill straight through the heart of that gangrenous, cancerous pile of shit. And of course, we have Brian Cranston uh, tying with most wins for lead actor award uh, with Dennis Franz, uh, who had four. There was only five seasons. Yeah, Dennis Franz was on fucking 
NYPD blue for 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's like, damn. <laughs> she just won every year, basically. Uh, he Maybe had one three, he also not. had three consecutive wins. Uh, he did not win in 2011, 12, or 13, in fact. Though he was nominated for every one of those years. Well, it's between that and the middle, though, right? <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, I mean, no, it yeah adds absolutely, up. absolutely. Still, two or three years out of five ain't bad. <laughs> now, Patrick, you have gotten through the first three episodes. Yeah. Just as an overall question, what are you most looking forward to? Is there anything you think is like being foreshadowed right now? Well, maybe something obvious. Maybe something obvious. Um, is there anything at all that, that you are anticipating the most for this experience? I, I think I'm actually most excited for how long it's going to take for his wife to find out he has cancer. Because uh, I have a feeling that's going to be a quite under the wraps thing and be an issue going forward. Because he's already said within three episodes, two different lies to get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, what I mean? I'll, I'll preface this, you know, obviously no spoils, but his wife become, is quite the uh, topic of debate with Breaking Bad fans. Polarizing. She, she has taken the top spot so far yeah. as a potential. I have always been favorite. a staunch Skylar defender. Yo, like I, so my thing with her is that because they immediately let you know how smart she was, but haven't given her situations to be that smart in yet. I'm like, oh, she's going to be great. Because <laughs> she's already confronted Jesse in what I've seen. Yeah, but do you remember watching but... it way back when for the first time and, and knowing what you were most excited about at this time? If you had Maybe. a feeling? Yeah. Do you have that, any that, that's a tough one. remembrance back then? See, I don't think I started Breaking Bad when it started. I think I started in... Uh, I think season three like was concluded and then I went back and started watching through um, and I binged most of it. I know I don't really think I had an expectation. I'm not type of person that likes to try and suss out where a plot is going or where there might be a twist or a reveal. But in terms of expectations for what was going to happen, I can tell you I, I did not expect it to go the direction it went in terms of you know the crime industry and and, and all of the the villains if you will that pop up uh but no I, I don't know if i had any real understanding or or thought as to what was going to happen i do like yeah. the way your thought process is because that's kind of why i picked what i did i didn't want to pick anything major like, like someone's gonna die because clearly someone's gonna end up dying like eventually <laughs> someone's gonna die in a show like this well, nah. see, once they get to the center, oh, spoiler, everyone oh. lives. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, <laughs> but like for me, fun. like for me, it's the relationship factor. So for me, him having to tell his wife she has cancer, because at this point, I've watched who he tells first that he has cancer. Yeah. And it's somebody inconsequential, right? It doesn't matter. 
yeah. in the end. And you kind of already know that. Uh, so it's like, okay, so really he didn't tell anybody yet. I think, you know? <laughs> first, I think whenever I first watched it, um, I think I was most excited for Daenerys to cross the sea with her three dragons. And I, I figured that it would be right around the time ah, ah, ah. came about. Um, I was especially excited for those giant spider hounds that old Nan We are not driving. talking about this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this, this. This is a podcast all its own. Was Batista in it? Oh, dude. We he would have been great in Game of Thrones. We get the next best thing to Batista in, in Breaking Bad, though. Yeah, okay. Get a we get the next yeah, yeah. Tortuga? I'm, ass- I'm assuming you're talking about Saul. Tortuga. <laughs> Tortuga. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Is that Saul? Another, another example of, oh. uh, of a typecaster, otherwise a well known actor, stepping into like a single episode. Doing something kind of on brand, but also not, because you know, typically, yes, yes, yes. yeah, like, yeah. And, and, you, yeah, you know exactly what you're, yeah. Okay. In that horrifying instance, you knew he was having fun. <laughs> so when I get there, I'll know. Oh yeah, is what you're saying. I should know who this person is. Oh yeah. Patrick, okay, all right. I personally will love to have these conversations with you about Breaking Bad. Um, at the beginning of every new season, you get well. In. That's what I think. That's what I want to do with you. I want to. I think yeah. maybe the three of us get together when I finish every season and just review it. Recap. Yeah, just do a little recap. And I'll try and like I'll try and guess what I think will happen. I am so excited for you to go on this journey. It is unequivocally the most satisfying show that i've ever seen an execution performance writing directing production value and suspense vince gilligan becomes the undisputed master of suspense to me in in breaking bad it is a modern western we all know how i love my westerns (laughs) and and i couldn't be more happy uh, that you're watching it for the first time buddy I just I'm think it's great that it. Walt has a, a dependable horse like Skylar at his side, you know, the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one that he could just saddle up and ride. <laughs> and his RV's that crazy dragon that's the last one left. I'm telling you guys, we, we, we can't wait for the for the uh, house Schrader of the Brown Hills to invade. <laughs> invade the White Lands. <laughs> Meth is a ladder, bitch. <laughs> hey, remember, do you guys, before we go, do you guys remember uh, the, the uh, Walter White Rick Grimes rap battle? I do. No. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I, mm, that's one I think could do with a redo. Uh, you know, they delivered well, but, you know, the production value those guys have nowadays. Yeah, I would love to see uh, what what they could pull off with it. But no, uh, Lewis, what about Walter Jr. the Broken? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't Why talk do you too think much I about him. Came all this way. <laughs> Yo. There's a better story than Walter Jr.'s of the Breakfast Clan. He traveled into he traveled into the barren hills to meet the young man under the rock. 
and have breakfast with him. <laughs> and, oh, Walter Jr. loved him and I share one crucial trait, and it isn't our cerebral palsy. It's our... Damn it. <laughs> yeah, so my favorite part. speech, my favorite lines that he delivers in that first episode, you just reminded me of it, was when his son's trying on jeans. Oh, yeah. And he ask the guy if he can walk now or whatever i forget the exact line how he says it but the way he delivers it you're like oh, oh my god dude and i i'll tell you what what a family man you know my favorite kicking shit some in, kids like, ass <laughs> my favorite shit in like media is whenever somebody's standing up to a dude who's in front of a group of other dudes and he refers yeah. to those other dudes as his girlfriends yeah <laughs> i love that shit i think that shit is so funny it's like you better do it waiting for your girlfriends i'm like dude he just fucked you up <laughs> roasted him up roasted him <laughs> well guys patrick if you're going to give this a number of of one to ten for pilot episodes what would you say well so i've started practicing with our new tv show rating system oh. that's how i did this how far our uh, new it was a rating system plucked <laughs> Kevin, do you know what plucked is no i don't well we're gonna plucked we're gonna get you learned today to grade tv shows we will be going down number by number patrick Mm-hmm. Each one uh, getting either 30 points or the lower ones with five points. Now, mm-hmm. Patrick, we're going to start off with the P for plucked, which is plot. Mm. Out of 30 possible points, Patrick, what would you give the first episode of Breaking Bad in terms of plot? going to go with a solid 30. A, uh, a full Monty. Yeah, yeah. Solid 30. Full Monty. Now, this one's going to be a, 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 a little interesting to do because the second one is lost. Normally, we don't do these for the first episode. So what I'm going to do here is, Patrick, how lost were you in the characterization of these characters? I'm giving that full points. I understood everything going on. You understood everything going on. He wasn't lost at all. So these two, Gavin, lost and unputdownable are given five points. You either get the zero points or five points. So lost is, am I lost to who these characters are? If you are completely lost, you get zero points. So basically a CW show. Yeah. <laughs> Whose characters change. on <laughs> <laughs> And also for five points, unput downable. And that's will I return to, to watch this full series? Will I continue to mm. watch this full series? Patrick. That's a five. That's a full Monty right there. Next up for 30 solid points. Characterization. How well defined are these characters that you see on screen? Do their on-screen characters match who you believe they are, who they're written to be, and what you're seeing of them? Yeah, I'm going the full on that one, too. That is the full Monty there. And finally, we're talking technicality. 
to get the P L U C T out of plucked. Oh, it's plucked. Got it. <laughs> Just like plucked. picked. Got it. Got it. Got it. So what's technicality in this? Uh, how well crafted is the episode? This is all around direction, writing, performance, and production value. All of them wrapped into one. Uh, we we conglomerate here because our rating system is more about feeling than execution. But we still need fucked. <laughs> you can tell by uh, how how effortlessly we made this uh, 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 whatever kind of word it is. <laughs> Uh, so this one I want to talk about. It is a full. I gave this an entire hundred. No question. I think it's one of the few perfect episodes of a show I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, there aren't many. <laughs> no. And what's different with this one, though, is as I laid out initially, it didn't tell you the plot. It gave you the hints to figure out the plot on your way and made sure the characters were well-designed and you understood what was happening, why they were making decisions already. And somehow fit a whole bunch of things into one episode and I never felt lost while watching it. I'm going to be completely honest. I thought that that RV fire and shit happened in the second episode. I was... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like so much I remembered this it's as fair. two episodes. Yeah, no, uh, the the well, when you say the fire, you mean with uh, Crazy Eight and the when he makes yeah, the yeah, yeah, locking them mm -hmm. in the van. Yeah, I I feel I felt like that was episode two or three, and I, I looked up a synopsis of episode two and what happens there between the bathtub and the uh, the broken plate, oh and I God. I thought that too was like episode three <laughs> yeah. or four. The fact that all of that happens in the first two is just astounding. That is a uh, that is just a punch of plot right, right. at you. Yeah. yeah, I mean it wastes no time. No, and that's and the other reason was for the writing because a lot of times you can find a hole in the writing somewhere. Yeah, in mo any episode of any point in time, whatever you know, you're gonna have to you know like I always one of the reasons I don't like Family Guy is because you can clearly tell when they're putting filler in an episode and they just don't know what to put somewhere and they just put a chicken in there to fight and he has a weird fight and you're like i don't i don't like that go back to the show i want to know what's happening you know um the way that was formed i didn't feel that every line mattered every character's emotion mattered sure. well, you facial guys know. expressions you guys know I've expressed this multiple times on this format and other formats that the number one thing I hate is whenever somebody recommends to me a TV show uh, and they tell me it doesn't get good until the second or third season. No. Oh, you just got to stick with it. picks up in the third season. Oh, you just got to see what happens at the end of the second season. No, I do not. Then you can <laughs> YouTube show, season one and two and start at three. Because a show needs to be good from the back. It needs to be yep. interesting from the start. And yep. it's, it's interesting you, you bring that point up again. I've recently, uh, I've just been trying to fill my days with things to watch. And I, I recently finished the anime Parasite. And I must say, um, what an absolute fucking tire fire. What a miserable, horrible, 
useless anime with, with good potential, potential that roped me into the first few episodes and then was just, just hucked as far and as low as you can into the deepest ravine of disappointment. Gavin, um, if you ever became a reviewer, nobody would give you their show to review. <laughs> ever. Hey, I can review one time. About this wonderful show right here. <laughs> but yeah, to anybody out there who's want that anime, don't waste no. your time on Parasite. Go to YouTube, look up a compilation of the kills and fights, and that's all you need because that's all that show's fucking good for. Fair what enough. an abysmal piece of shit. Amazing. And as you, I'm sorry. So the, the point was that like, as you said, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, the first episode, the second, the third, like there, there's some potential here. And I'm like, then I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, this is, is dragging and nothing's happening. Maybe it'll get good by the 10th episode. And as I said that, I'm like, cause, cause I, I had seen some clips. I knew some stuff that was coming. And as I said that to myself, I'm like, wait, no, that that's not a good thing. I shouldn't be waiting <laughs> for the 10th episode. To, to, but because I'm also a staunch believer in that when I start something, I finish it. Like yep. if something's horrible, I want to know how horrible it is. If something's great, I, 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 I believe in finishing. I don't believe in going halfway through and being like, ah, I couldn't finish it. It's like, then you have no, you have no ground to speak on of whether it was good or bad. So I finished it and I can say, you know, 100%, uh, what a waste of my time. What a complete and utter disappointment. See, and that's why I do quit that I start not liking. <laughs> Chocolate Bear. What up? Question for you. Yeah, hit me. If somebody wanted to see something that wasn't terrible, like Two Bears Media Review. Yeah. What do they need to do? All they would need to do is get onto their favorite podcast provider. We're on Spotify. We're on, we're on uh, Stitcher. We're on uh, a Springer. We're on iTunes reviews. All you got to do is get on there. And all you have to do is type in Pop Culture Forest. And you'll be taken right to us. We got a cute little symbol with a bunch of trees and our name, big and bold, right on the front. And there you can catch multiple episodes of all the shows we have. And Patrick, do we have too many shows? Yeah. Yeah. And they're all great. We do. And we are, and we are not going to stop there. Of course, you can get our entire back catalog of Film Harvest, a, a great tournament-style movie versus movie mashup review. So fun doing those. Super happy. Noah's on a little bit of a vacation right now, but when he gets back, we will be doing episode scene. Me and Patrick will keep you guys on the lockdown until then. Of course, how can anyone forget? The the battle of the bat fans were me. Hey, and- <laughs> yes, and Gavin. What do we do with battle of the bat fans? We pop and boom splat, our way through Batman the animated series and Batman Beyond, which we are slowly coming to realize were probably continuations of each other and inexorably linked together. So, dude, Patrick, we started the first episode asking the question if the two shows are related in the same universe linked in a timeline and the evidence just keeps amounting it's incredible (laughs) (laughs) and not only that but somehow it seems like every single episode there's either a villain or a thematic thread that links the two episodes together and it's such that in the rare cases where there aren't those links each episode is so completely different. Like it, it only could have been the plan that like, you know, Batman Beyond adds a completely new villain, a unique storyline, Batman, the animated series, 
follows something that is going to be a long-standing plot point for that series and it's but still somehow related to that villain or something yeah like sometimes it's like it's like corporate greed i remember the one week it was two separate villains two separate plots but both plots were put in place because the two you know baddies in them had this like corporate greed to fuck the poor yeah it's it's amazing. I'm loving this bat this uh, Batman review, double Batman review show that we're doing here. Only on the Pop Culture Force, and of course, you can follow us at Pop Culture F on Twitter. Come in to email us. We'd love to hear from you guys at popcultureforced at gmail.com. And Patrick, what is the number one way that our listeners can help us out even more than than uh, giving us a full five-star review, which you should still do. <laughs> Even more than following us on Spotify, which you should still do. That's right. What is the number uh, one thing to help us that they can do to help us out? Just tell your friends and family. Tell the people you know, the people you love, the people you like, whatever. Even if you hate them. Maybe they like a movie we talk about. Or Maybe more importantly, gather a bunch of people that hate us and get yeah. together every week and listen to our shit and, and hate on us together. That's, you know what? Start out with the ones that I start talking about. If you're a neo Nazi, fuck off. Start with those ones. <laughs> when was, oh my God, what were we talking about when you said that? Because <laughs> that's, that's a real thing. <laughs> I just remember, like, if you were waving a Confederate flag out in front of your house, I legitimately mean this. Turn us off. <laughs> <laughs> just fuck right off back to Dixie. <laughs> and as oh always God. here on the uh, two bears media review gavin what have you been into recently besides your exceedingly disappointing parasite show recent is recent is a is a stretch um i did finally sit down and watch netflix's uh castlevania show and that is the exact opposite of parasites recommend so highly there are no way to find scenes the animation is incredible. I really uh, want to. I, really, I love those games. I, I enjoyed the plot too. Um, uh, one season got a little, a little muddled, but overall, it ended spectacularly, and I, I, I can't recommend uh, that show highly enough. Uh, definitely check out Helsing, whether you know anything about the games or not. Chelsea, where's your other half, Gavin? Bring he her said on. Something He's over here. <laughs> He said something. He said Helsing. Or that you, you said Helsing. Yeah. Not, not Castlevania. Oh, right. I said Helsing, right. Castlevania. Sorry. I think I said Castlevania at Oh, first, she was correcting you. Sorry. Good on she you. She is correcting me. But, well, I, well, I'd recommend Helsing the uh, abridged. No, well, I recommend Helsing abridged and Helsing, I think, ultimate. Because those are also two pretty good shows with, with some excellent uh, excellent scenes. What's up? Gavin, what have you been into recently? What have, what is yeah. everybody? Welcome back, Gavin's lovely fiance, Chelsea. Uh, what have you been into recently? Uh, Looks like you're nerding uh, out over I there. Games and I crochet. And if he has something on, I watch his watches. We've been doing rewatches of uh, the whitest kids you know. I've been introducing oh, yeah. her more oh, or less. Oh man, R.I.P. Out to Trevor, y'all. Yeah, I, I that that was devastating. Yeah. And rewatching all of I, I hold the whitest kids you know. I, I hold that show, that skit show, in the highest regard. I actually hold it above Key and Peel, and yeah. Key and Peel is almost flawless. 
But I, I, I can't believe the whitest kids you know, like every single sketch they do is just comedy gold. Yeah, I, I truly believe that Trevor not never got his due. He never got the overall attention that he should have gotten as being a comedic genius who had, I'll tell you what, I don't know if there was some, anybody out there who had timing as well as Trevor did. Yeah, yeah his timing was something else. There was a great podcast where all the other, uh, all the members, Timmy, Sam, uh, etc., they were all talking about him and they actually revealed his cause of death. And I, I say that very sardonically. Um, they, they revealed that he was actually trying, he was attempting to suck his own dick and that he actually, uh, he associated <laughs> on his own cum. So he, he had poor it. timing just this one time. But unfortunately, uh, <laughs> yeah, just poor timing just once. Yeah. And I, I, I laughed at that. I, I can't help but think that's exactly what Trevor would have wanted. Yeah, you know it. For his fellow, his fellow members to, to, to pass that story. And, uh, oh my God, that is friendship right there. Yeah. That is yeah. true friendship right there. <laughs> and he succeeded. <laughs> Uh, I also have been watching Top Chef, not Top Chef, the... Hell's Kitchen? Thank you. Top Gun. Top Gun. Top Gun. Hell's yeah, Gun. Young Guns. That's gun Kitchen? Young, gun. Oh, Young Guns is a good movie. Young Guns. <laughs> the latest season. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're not talking about the movie? I'm sorry? You're not talking about that Rob Lowe movie? No. No. Oh, sure. man. It's about Rob Lowe. They're Rob from Lowe the 80s. They played exist. on a hockey a team together. Him and... Uh, the one that died from liver cancer. Can't think of his name now. Oh, shit. Nobody can, because he doesn't exist. Ah. <laughs> he was a big deal. He was the, the ghost guy. Oh! Play Patrick, Swayze. Patrick Swayze! Yeah, him and Patrick Swayze were in a hockey movie together. And Patrick oh. Swayze played the old guy, like, needing to retire. You and Rob Lowe was just dork. on point. <laughs> um, Rob Lowe. He doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> Rob Lowe's the last of your imagination, Patrick. The last two things I, I have been big into. Um, I finished, I just watched, it just debuted the other day. I've been watching all of the Adventure Time Distant Lands, or I think I got that right. Oh, the uh, now. Yeah, yeah, they're like 40 minute episodes, more or less. They've all been fantastic. You know, they, they don't really like, they're not retconning anything. They're not just giving us Adventure Time too. Like they are unique stories, so they've been great. But what I would recommend more highly than anything, Potentially even Hels uh, Helsing again. Potentially even Castlevania <laughs> is uh, is what my brother recommended to me a couple days ago. The Netflix original cartoon Centaur World, which I looked at it and absolutely thought like I was like this. I'm sure it could be entertaining, but I don't really see the big oh my god. And then I watched it. It is a wonderful blend of Adventure Time. Uh, it's got some, some adult raunchy humor, but it's not like over the top. It's not raunchy for the sake of it. And, uh, it's even got a little bit of Disney. They have some incredible songs. It reminds me more of maybe like chowder or regular show. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like all but set in an adventure time world. It, it's it's fascinating and I I it's, highly recommend yeah, I it. watching it because of you. Oh, and, and over the garden wall. It's got a little bit of over the garden wall in it. Which, if you haven't seen, I mean, what are you doing with your life, even? Yeah, I, I realized that I missed that, and and a while ago, I, I I finally watched it and was so upset with myself for having never experienced that. And Patrick, yeah, Vanilla Bear, mm -hmm. my love, yeah. What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, 
so we finished Housebroken, which was super fun. I think that's a good one for you, Chelsea. Housebroken. For sure. Housebroken, yeah. It's on, you can get it on, I think, Hulu now, but it's, uh, why can't I, uh, Lisa Kudrow plays oh, a poodle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cartoon. Oh my God. I thought it was going to be stupid, so I was avoiding it, and Steve put it on one night, and we, we knocked that one out pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> It was solid. The, like the turtle has like a is addicted to sex and stuff. God, it was funny. <laughs> uh, and it has one of my favorite guys from uh, Happy Endings back in the day as one of the main voices. So that makes me happy. Um, endings, huh? <laughs> so that makes me happy. And I just said endings. I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, leave it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um. Steve caught up with me uh, uh, to episode three of Ted Lasso. So that's going to be our, probably our big next venture. Oh yeah. 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 There are a lot of good. It's so good and hokey and I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His character is such a deep character and it really surprised me. That's why I didn't want to watch it. I didn't think it would actually be that good. yeah, that one. And then we started Jurassic Park last night. So it's going to be the first time I've finished Jurassic Park. Like the, the movie from yeah. way back in the day? Yeah, from yeah. 90 fucking three, Chelsea. <laughs> That's way back I've in never the seen him. Yeah, it's almost 30 years. Yeah, yes. yeah because saying, dinosaurs yes, are never really my jam, so I didn't Jurassic care. Park, which Patrick has somehow not seen in those 30 fucking years. <laughs> Yeah, so now I've seen Alien and I'll, I'll have seen Jurassic Park. You haven't Park. seen Alien either? I've seen Alien now. He's okay, Chelsea. I have to let you know. Patrick isn't like big into like the sci fi fantasy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He and does. Steve is, so I'm, I'm getting into that stuff. Gotcha. So now, these, are big, these are big steps for Patrick. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I'm trying to learn what I'm missing out on. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, the ending for. Um, Alien loved it because yeah. I was like I was watching it and I'm going this is going on a little too long something's up right now and I'm like oh my god that is the alien's head good thing they had those giant ballista rifles that they could use to shoot the aliens from the sky that Daenerys was riding coming yeah in. thank god the stupid the stupid ass aliens all three of them <laughs> <laughs> and Daenerys Zagonia Weaver's Targaryen, just, she just kind of forgot, and so that that makes sense. That's, that's, that's why you. That's why we could shoot one down so easily, but then also had problems shooting down another one. She got a single one that had three shot times down. as many ballistas. <laughs> Fuck D and D forever. And uh, uh, wrapping it back around to me, guys. Yeah. I've been hoarding comic books way too much recently. Uh, with that said. Um, I can say with full confidence that the recent Tom King run on Batman ending with City of Bane is one of the greatest compilations of of Batman stories I've ever experienced. Uh, He's also finishing up Rorschach, the Watchmen comic book sequel uh, this month, which I am so excited about. Uh, I might read that. 
Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's uh, 12 issues. They'll be released in a compendium in December, which I have pre-ordered. Um, I've also been reading Alan Moore's Providence. This is his take on like Lovecraftian uh, uh, mythology and dark magic. Really pumped for that. Of course, we can't forget Al Ewing and Immortal Hulk. This is the Hulk comic that we always needed. And the Hulk that should be in the MCU, you fucking cowards. You're I have cowards. a question. I have a question. <laughs> is Robert Pattinson still going to be Batman? Because I really hope not. Yeah, and he fucking deserves it, dude. If you have to see him as Batman? No. Well, then what are you talking about here? Yeah, I think the Batman experts in this. Do, do you think Robin Pattinson can't play Batman because he was in Malcolm in the Middle? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. No, I just don't enjoy. No, no, this goes back to a Lewis and I thing where I just don't like his face. Yeah, and I don't want to see him in it. It's not necessarily. He's I don't be think wearing he can do a bat mask. <laughs> Yeah, it's a face thing. We're going to have a whole episode at some point where we just about talk about people face. we don't like because of their faces. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be fine. And of course, uh, this is definitely going to date these, and I always date these somehow uh, at the end. Uh, but tonight, we got big All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view. CM Punk is fucking back, people. He's <laughs> seven years away from the ring fighting Darby Allen tonight. So excited about it. I'm and like, like Daniel Bryan too, huh? He uh, joined, they, that, he the joined rumor Daniel. is Daniel Sid's coming tonight. Is, is joined a day. Yeah, that, the man. Is that the one that broke away? Or like started their own thing or whatever? No, no that's Cody Rhodes and he just yeah, got the, Rhodes, yeah. They, they started AEW. That is the breakaway company. Okay. Uh, but Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, I would argue, were probably like the two most popular wrestlers. The ever past. since, ever since probably like The Rock and his heyday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, and so now both of them are just, yeah, we'll, we'll be over at AEW, and well, WWE's like... That's what I mean, like, they, they went over <laughs> to the other one. Oh, yeah. 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 And I also, speaking of, just read the uh, comic book history of professional wrestling, making that the fourth book I've read about the history of pro wrestling. <laughs> Why do I do that? Why do I keep on reading the books that have the same information but told different ways? Because you must consume, Lewis. You must consume. And Chelsea, before ah. we go, do you know the Two Bears Media's biggest goal? The goal? In their run? Oh, uh, no, I do not. No, that's cool. Don't ask me. I don't know. Pop Culture matter. Forest has a modus operandi. Yeah, but what is our modus operandi? Isn't it getting Batista as something something? Anything. Hashtag Batista for drug movies. <laughs> for meth dealers. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag Batista for Robert Pattinson's face. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Batista for invading Winterfell. Batista for Batman. <laughs> Close, <laughs> yeah, okay, good. ladies and gentlemen. If you guys know Batista personally, any of you, please come in contact with us. We'd love to talk to him. <laughs> I just want him to be a subscriber, I don't even need him on it. I just want, I just <laughs> to like tweet a random episode with us, yeah, 
that he says, hey, they mentioned my name once. <laughs> Yo, can we do an entire episode where we record about him and then post it to his Twitter or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Make him know we're on the map. We should just like review his back. movie that he's in. <laughs> but only the scenes he's in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll review those like 12 minutes of Skyfall. <laughs> and then judge how bad the movie was. <laughs> Batista for Batista 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Two Bears Media Review with the Twitchy Cricket and the fiance. Say goodbye, guys. Hello. Bye. Later. Kevin, you... That quality humor is why they keep coming back. You have to understand. <laughs> You're so Johnny on the spot, man. How do you do it? How does he do it? <laughs> Gift. And over there has been the Vanilla Bear Patrick. Yeah, that's right. We did it. We Another always do it. And over here, if you don't know, you should know. It's your Chocolate Bear Mundo. And as always... Batista for Batista. <laughs> <laughs>